Just three weeks to Christmas, three weeks' time, we'll be opening our presents. We're now in the season of what we call Advent, which means it's a time of looking forward to the birth of Jesus. We're looking forward to that day that we're going to celebrate. Some of you children, you may have Advent calendars. You got Advent calendars? Yeah. With little doors or... <laughs> <laughs> we now know who the children are. So <laughs> opening, opening little doors and windows, and if you're fortunate, there might be something in that. Do you get those as well? They're the proper ones. They're the, they're the real good ones. Um, kids, I just wonder already, have you made out your list for Christmas? List of presents that you would like? Have you written to whoever you write to, um, although maybe a bit late. Some of you may be a bit late. Maybe should have done it a bit earlier. But Christmas is a time where we love giving and receiving gifts. And I've got three boxes out here uh, that later we're going to unwrap. And, and maybe there's be something inside there for some of the younger ones amongst us. We will see. You know, Christmas Eve is... We go to bed on Christmas Eve, many of us go to bed excited. When you're young, you go to bed excited. Wait, what am I going to get in the morning? What, what, what? In fact, maybe you don't even get to sleep. Our children didn't many times. And then when you're parents, when you're parents, you get excited because you can't wait to see your children's faces when they get these presents. I think kind of the measurement of whether you've grown from childhood to adulthood is whether you start to move from being excited about receiving gifts to more excited about giving gifts. I think that's a, a measurement of whether we've matured in our lives. And that's a healthy, healthy. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. But I wonder how often you might have received a, gris, a, a gift at Christmas and then you've just exclaimed, oh, that's just what I need. Just what I need. And then you tuck another pan pack of hankies and shower gel away in the drawers as the, after you've said, that's just what I need. Well, the title of the message this morning is the gift that you really do need. This is going to be about the gift that we do really need at Christmas. And we can find that answer in Luke chapter 2. We're going to read from Luke 2 verses 1 to 14. So if you'd like to turn to Luke 2, reading from 1 to 14. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judah, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for I, behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, 
who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he's pleased. The gift that we really need this Christmas, we can see spelt out in this passage. It's what the angels announced to the shepherds. He announced, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. These shepherds were considered in that time to be amongst the lowest in society. But in keeping with the context of Christ's birth, they were who the angels announced his birth to. And they didn't announce Jesus to be an earthly king in a palace or a teacher of the law, but a saviour, born in a stable amongst the farm animals. So often we say, I need something. When in reality, it's not something we really need, but something we want. And we can become experts. We can become experts in our apologetics of convincing others of what we, what we want is what we need. We really need this, and we give all sorts of reasons why. But what we all really need, whether we realise it or not, we need a saviour. And can I say to parents, the most important thing we can teach our children is that they need a saviour. They are in need of a saviour. We can teach them many other things, but we need to teach them that. And so at Christmas, we particularly celebrate God's provision of what we all really need. Sadly, the world goes on celebrating Christmas without the realisation of their greatest needs. But like all gifts, they only become effective when we receive it. God has given a saviour to the world. But it's only those who receive this gift that will be saved. So how then can I receive a gift that I cannot touch and see? Well, Romans 10 verses 9 to 10 gives us our answer. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. When we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts, the greatest need of a saviour is then fulfilled in our lives. That's how we receive this gift. And God is far more aware of what we really need as opposed to what we want. That's why we can be confident that when Paul says in Philippians 4.19 that my God shall supply every need to you according to your riches in glory in Christ Jesus, we can be confident that we'll do it because God knows what we need. And this morning we're talking about this particular need of a saviour and it's in Christ that God responds to our greatest need by providing his son as our saviour. So I've just got two simple points this morning. I want to talk about the giver, and I want to talk about the gift. God, as we have said, is the giver of our greatest need. So what do we understand about the giver? What do we understand about God in 
his motivation, his desire, and his heart in giving us this wonderful gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 3.16, we mentioned the other week, it was God who so loved the world. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. There can be no more significant gift than the giving of his only son. Jesus, who will come to live on this earth for 33 years of perfect life and then suffering on the cross by those who he created. There cannot be any more significant gift. What an incredible gift. It has been given to us at such a tremendous cost. To all of us who have been enemies of God, undeserving of such a gift. Some people have the idea that Jesus was a remedial action, a last-minute band-aid stuck on a wounded world. God had tried everything else, so he decided to try his son. No, this was a planned event. A planned event even before the foundation of the world. Some of us may feel right now that we've been doing well in planning in advance for Christmas. Some of us may feel we haven't planned in advance for Christmas yet. But when it comes to planning, no one beats God. The gift of a saviour was planned long before he arrived. In fact, at the very beginning of our Bibles in Genesis 3, verse 15, we have the first reference of God's provision of a saviour. And he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, speaking to the serpent, speaking to Satan, and you will strike his heel. From the very beginning, right after Adam and Eve disobeyed God, he gave indication that a saviour will be coming from the seed of the woman, Eve. God revealed right away that this seed would be the one that would crush the head of the serpent. We know that seed pointed to Jesus. Moses is credited as the author of the book of Genesis. And the time of his writing isn't 100% certain, but it's estimated to be about 1,500 years before Christ was born. So right at the very start of our Bibles, we see a reference to God providing a saviour. You know, some people drop hints about the gifts that they're going to give, the presents that you might receive at Christmas. But God, some 700 years Matt read it earlier, before the birth of Jesus, dropped some pretty big hints as to not only what he was promising to do, but to why. Isaiah 9, verse 2, that Matt read earlier, the people were walking in darkness. They were choosing to live without God. So God not only promises the birth of a saviour, but he says, why? They were choosing to live without God, living independent of God. And now they were under God's judgment and destined to receive God's righteous holy wrath. And therefore they needed a saviour. Isaiah goes on to say that these people walking in darkness have seen a great light. Looking forward, Isaiah, 700 years before, saying they're walking in darkness, but they've seen a great light. That Jesus will break into that darkness and bring his life-giving light. God knew what creation needed. The Jews wanted a king born in a palace that would defeat the tyranny of Rome and deal with their physical and temporal problems. 
Instead, because God knew what they needed, not what they wanted, God sent his son, as we read, to be born in a stable, wrapped in swaddling clothes, which is kind of strips of linen that Mary had prepared, lying in a manger, a cattle feeding trough. Isaiah looked forward. Isaiah looked forward to see the, the coming of the Saviour. And instead, God, instead of giving the people what they wanted, he gave them what they needed. And it's important we need to see the Bible right from creation. It's not a, not a rule book, but a love story revealing a creator God. His creation turned their backs upon him and then an unfolding of God's love to restore and redeem a people for his glory. This is God's heart. This reveals something of the giver. We, we don't have time to go any further, but this reveals something of the giver. And this wonderful gift from God reveals how much the giver loves his creation and will go to incalculable lengths to meet their deepest need. So we're now going to look at the gift. The gift, as we're all aware, is the baby Jesus who was wrapped in swaddling clothes. And when we give gifts at Christmas, we wrap our gifts in wrapping paper, or most of us do anyway. You wrap your gifts in, gift, um, in wrapping paper. And we, this morning and over this Christmas time and throughout our lives, really, we, we celebrate the gift of baby Jesus. How do we wrap this gift? The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 15 says this, Giving thanks to God, speaking of Jesus, giving thanks to God for his inexpressible gift. Other translations say indescribable gift. So how do you wrap an indescribable, indescribable gift? What material do you use? We don't have reference. We don't have a physical body here to wrap. When Jesus was born in the manger, Mary wrapped him in cloth. And she came prepared for that. But I suggest if we look to wrap, try and wrap Jesus, this gift is very unusual. And so at this point, we're going to unwrap one of these boxes. I've got three boxes here, which is going to tell us how Jesus came wrapped, what Jesus came wrapped in. So I want a child to come out and unwrap one of these boxes. Okay, Jude, do you think you can do that? Okay, Jude's got his hand up. Right, I want to unwrap that one. Okay, can you do that? You just tear it off. We're not trying to save the paper. That's it, tear it across here now. You're very delicate in your tearing. I imagine you'd be ripping this off. So, what do we see here? What do we see here? When you go, let's take it out of the way. <laughs> so the first thing we see that Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. And there's something in there. You want to try it? <laughs> go for it. Got it? Oh, 
There you go. Now, we're not going to do this now, but all the children will get one, all right? But we, we'll spend ages out the front if we, if we do that now. Good. Okay, Jude, thanks very much. Well, you're looking for another one. <laughs> so the first thing we see, that baby Jesus was wrapped in, with prophecy. God didn't 2,000 years ago just drop Jesus out of heaven into earth without any preparation. As we said earlier, God had been preparing hundreds of years before. And God's prophets at various times and in various ways had foretold the birth of Jesus, the birth, the life, and, and the death of Jesus. Prophecy for the children. Prophecy is like a promise. It's what God promises to do sometime in the future. And I just want to read very briefly some of the prophecies that help us see that Jesus was wrapped in prophecy. In Micah 5.2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, if that's how you pronounce it, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and Micah, some 800 years before, prophesied that the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem. In Isaiah 7, verse 14, we read, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall call his name Emmanuel. We read that Mary was a virgin. Fulfillment of prophecy. And God reveals through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before the, before the birth of Jesus that a baby will be born of a virgin and he will be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. God with us. And then Isaiah 9, verses 6 to 7, again, Matt read those this morning, tells us more about who Jesus is. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Isaiah is telling us that this, this babe, this, this, this person who was going to come, come as a baby, but, but it's going to be God with us, was going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. That of the increase of his government of, and of peace, there will be no end. He will sit on David's throne and over his kingdom from this time forth and forevermore. Jesus, the King, will establish his kingdom, not just for time, not just when he's here, but for all eternity. And the hallmark of his never-ending kingdom is justice and righteousness. The kingdom of God, put simply, is wherever God is ruling and reigning. So it follows that as God's people united to Christ, we as the church are marked by the same characteristics of Christ, such as justice, mercy, righteousness, wisdom, and peace. So the first thing we've seen, Jesus comes wrapped in prophecy. 
So let's unwrap box two, shall we? Somebody like to come out for that? What's up there? Is that Zach? Okay, Zach. How you come? I thought you changed your hair. I didn't recognise you. <laughs> right, have a go at this one. See what we're finding there. Start at the top here. Yeah, you're a bit more ruthless, aren't you? Yeah, go for it. Go. That's it. You can leave it like that because we can read it. What does it say? History, well done. What do you think we might have in here? Mm. Oh, look at these. You like one of those? Mm -mm. Oh. <laughs> they say never work with animals and children. Okay, there is one for all of you who would like one. And some of you might like an extra one. You could have Zach. So you could have taken his Zach and given it to your brother or sister. This indescribable gift must be wrapped in history. Jesus Christ entered into our world as a baby boy and altered the very course of history. In fact, some of you might have heard people say, history, his story. It's a good way of reminding ourselves. Our dating and calendar system changed as a result of Christ's birth. Today we refer to 2022 AD. Most of us just say 2022, but it's 2022 AD, which means Anno Domini, for those of the Latin scholars amongst us, which means the year of our Lord. Whereas we refer to a year BC because it means before Christ. So right into history, into a very history of our world, Jesus comes as a baby and alters the course of history. In Galatians 4, verses 4 to 5, Paul writes this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. God, is, who is sovereign over all our times, tells us that when the fullness of time had come, he sent forth his son. Paul says in Romans 5, just at the right time, at the right time. When Jesus comes in the fullness of time, he weaves history into prophecy. We've seen he's been, there was, he was prophesied. And now he comes into history that prophecy comes to fulfilment. When all things seem to perfectly fit together, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, to buy back those who were under condemnation from the law. God moved in history and planned that Joseph, who lived in Nazareth, would with Mary, who was engaged to, would go to Bethlehem so he could sign the census. Joseph, who was living in Nazareth, Mary with him. They travelled to Bethlehem to sign a census because his roots were not in Nazareth but in Bethlehem. But in God's plan, but in God's plan it was to fulfil prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. 
prophecy had now become history. God in the form of Christ has now broken into the world and changed the course of history. Which brings us to our final unwrapping. And be careful of this one. I don't want another I don't want it. <laughs> Come on, Elsie. If you don't like it, you're in trouble. <laughs> she is my dan- granddaughter, in case somebody... <laughs> Mystery. Mystery. Now, you, you're more interested in what's in there than one there, aren't you? I know. Let's see. What is in here? Should I do it? Help you. Right. What have we got here? A Santa's hat. A Santa's hat. There you go. You want that? Oh, you said cool. Yeah. We've got one right then. Yeah. Again, that, there's one for every child. So, so Jesus was promised. Prophecy had been given. History had now unfolded. But it is not without mystery. And I believe this gets to the heart of this indescribable gift that Paul speaks of. What is the mystery then? We say it comes wrapped in mystery. The answer is God took upon himself perfect humanity. He was God. And he took on perfect humanity. And linking these two natures together in one personality, housed in one unique body, the God-man came to earth. That's mystery. Jesus is both truly God and truly man. Fully God and fully man. This is a mystery. How can he be fully God and fully man? Truly God, truly man. And this is a mystery, not that we can't distinguish these aspects of Christ's being, We can distinguish them, but we can't tear them apart. It's, it's so difficult for us to understand how one person can have two natures. And the mystery is we can't understand how, but we know it's true. And it is important for us to know that it's true. It is important for us to recognize that Jesus is both fully God and fully man. It's important for our salvation that it's true. Because if it wasn't true, there could be no salvation. It's a mystery, not because it didn't happen and because we don't understand the significance of the two natures, but it's a mystery how those two natures reside in one person. Charles Wesley's Carol Hart, the Herald Angels sing, Wesley reflects on this incredible truth. Christ by highest heaven adored, Christ the everlasting Lord, late in time behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb, failed in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, 
pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, vowed in flesh, vowed in flesh. The Godhead see. Jesus said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. God, vowed in flesh. How the incarnate deity, God, made flesh. Pleased as man, with men to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. Incredible mystery. Incredible mystery. We can't understand it, but we know it's true. And it's important that we recognise its truth. Because if Jesus was not truly man, then he couldn't die for us if he wasn't truly God. There wouldn't have been a way for us because being truly God, he was perfect. He was without, without sin. He was without blemish. So he, he could take upon himself our sin. And at the close of this portion of scripture that we read, Imagine these, these shepherds, first of all, having an angel appear to them must have been pretty, pretty incredible. Imagine being out in the field and suddenly an angel appears. But then what happens? The angel who brought the good news to the shepherds was interrupted, interrupted by a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God, saying, glory to God, in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. An incredible sight. Must have been absolutely incredible. Those, those shepherds who were out in the fields watching over their flocks, experiencing not just one angel, but the scriptures tell a multitude, a multitude of heavenly hosts Jesus' birth was prophesied hundreds and even thousands of years before. He breaks into history 2,000 years ago in the story we've read this morning. But he's shrouded in mystery. But he's the gift that we all need. Jesus, wrapped in prophecy, wrapped in history, wrapped in mystery, is the indescribable gift that Paul speaks of. So as you open your presents on Christmas Day, all those gifts that you really needed, yeah, I really need that gift. Give thanks. Even if you're in a setting where maybe there are people around that you don't want to do it audibly, but in your heart as you receive those gifts, give thanks that your greatest need has been met by the gift, the Father's gift, of his son, for our salvation. Let's pray. <coughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your wonderful plan of salvation that we see outworked throughout the whole of Scripture. The love story, the love that you have for your creation 
to buy back those who've walked away from you. To reconcile us back to yourself. To redeem us. To save us. And thank you, Lord, that you provided a saviour born 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem who would save us from our sins. Thank you, Lord, for... Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for coming from heaven to earth, taking on humanity, living 33 sinless lives, perfected lives for us, and then going to the cross to die in our place. What a wonderful saviour you are. Thank you, Lord, for this Christmas story. It's something that we, along with the world, celebrate at Christmas time, but in our hearts, we celebrate it every day. We thank you that Jesus came as our saviour. Father, pray that we would, over this Christmas time, with all the celebrations, with all the things that take place, we will place Jesus at the very centre of everything because he is at the very centre of our lives. So, Father, thank you. Thank you for sending a saviour. Thank you for providing for our greatest need. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.